1: and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
0: Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 19th, 2018. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be with you here on a Friday. I hope you had a good week. We'll have a complete recap of Thursday's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, an exciting one, a surprisingly exciting game. Against the Cleveland Cavaliers, with a lot to dig into in that game, including perhaps a ray of optimism as well as a uh, little bit of a warning as well. Uh, um, as uh, I, I, I gotta get my tanking views out out there in the open as well, make it clear how what how I feel about uh, people being upset when the Magic win and. People yelling at me for wanting the magic to win at this point of the season. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone that you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore O M D. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, as well as now uh, Spotify as well. Uh, if you want to get Locked On Magic on your podcast-enabled listening device, and I would be remiss if I did not give one final reminder before this weekend's game. To go check out Locked On Jaguars as the Jacksonville Jaguars, Orlando's CBS affiliate team. I think that I think that's fair to say. CBS has to air them. Uh, but be sure to check out the Jacksonville check out Locked On Jaguars for your complete preview of the AFC Championship game, just like I do here on Locked On Magic. The folks over at Locked On Jaguars cover the Jaguars every single day with the kind of detail analysis that you can only get from local experts. That the tagline at the beginning of the show is absolutely true. So be sure to go on to go onto iTunes and search for Locked on Jaguars. You can do that really for any team in the NFL or the NBA. Be sure to check them out and give them a listen. And once again, go Jaguars, beat the Patriots. Magic will be right up there with you in Boston this Sunday. But let's get to the task at hand. The Orlando Magic taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers and playing a nail biter. I'd be remiss if I did not start at the end rather than talk about what I really want to talk about in this game uh, first. But the ending of this game, absolutely insane. The Orlando Magic trailed by as much as 23 points, including 20 points at the end of the first half, and slowly, methodically worked their way back into the game, tied it up at 80, gave up a run, went down by 9, came back again, and gave themselves every opportunity to win the game. A couple of missed shots, Uh, didn't go down, that would have given them the lead, but their defense stepped up. The Magic played some incredible defense in the second half. 37 points total in the second half. They gave up 36 in the first quarter. They gave up 37 total in the second half. They scored 33 by themselves in the third to get back in the game. A 56-37 second half against the Cleveland Cavaliers with one LeBron James in the lineup. But it was just barely not enough. Orlando took the lead late on a Shelvin Mack offensive rebound and put back, yes, I said Shelvin Mack. He played late in this game. Played well, too. Ten points, five for five shooting. He gave the Magic a one-point lead. It finally felt like Orlando Orlando was going to get some momentum back. They weren't able to extend that lead. And then on one final possession, Orlando got the initial stop. A long rebound tipped out by Aaron Gordon into the backcourt gave Cleveland the final possession, or at least a shot at the final possession. And Isaiah Thomas drove in on Aaron Gordon, who switched on to him, met Shelvin Mack rotating over, really in great defensive position. And from there, you can interpret it however you want to interpret it. The referees call a foul on Shelvin Mack, sending Isaiah Thomas to the foul line, where he makes both free throws to give Cleveland a one-point lead. From there, the Magic have about 12 seconds to play. The Magic inbound the ball. To Alfred Payton, he takes it the length of the floor, gets all the way to the basket, and overcooks his layup by just a hair. And I do use that pun intentionally. Although I don't think his hair had anything to do with uh, with him missing the shot. I just love needling people who think that. Alfred Payton misses the layup by a bit. Ball goes out of bounds. Unclear hoots off of two-tenths of a second left anyway. It doesn't matter. The Cleveland Cavaliers defeat the Orlando Magic 104 to 103 surviving the Magic's late rally. Let's go back to that play by Shelvin Mack. Shelvin Mack again was in perfect defensive position. He slid over perfectly to meet Isaiah Thomas and when you look at the replay and when you saw it live looked like he got all ball, or at least enough of the ball that it should have been a jump ball. It should not have been a foul on Shelvin Mack. I'm not one to blame refs for wins or losses and I'll explain that in just a moment. But I absolutely agree that this was not a foul. That Shelvin Mack got a jump ball and earned earned a a great defensive play. And, And honestly, I feel officials in that situation, this is why I rail against the offensive interference rule, take those decisions out of the officials' hands. The decision there, the default decision there, should be, I'm not deciding this game by putting someone on the line for a questionable call. And I think... I mean, jump ball obviously doesn't benefit Cleveland, but at least they get a shot at getting the ball back. And I I, I don't know if officials are taught to do that or not. I don't know if the official actually saw a foul. I, I did not from where I was watching it and the replays that I saw, I did not either. I thought it was a clear jump ball. But that is irrelevant because the official's word is final. As bad as those calls might be, the official's word is final. And... I've talked on some occasion about my theory about close games. Close games are random. And this is exactly why. Because you're putting the decision in, some, in someone's hands that you cannot control. There's that el- That's an element of randomness that you cannot control. And so you will win or lose games based on these decisions you can't control. And so, honestly, you can live with that. Honestly, if I'm a, if I'm following and, and, and studying this team, there are a lot of things that you can live with in this loss. Regret, sure. No moral victory here. No, well, some, but I'll talk about that in a moment. Plenty of regret, sure. The Magic had lots of open shots. They had two open threes by Aaron Gordon. They had an open three by Evan Fournier that they missed down the stretch. That would have made it a two-point game, three-point game. Even a four point game at points. Evan Forney missed a, te- a flagrant foul free throw um, late, uh, like middle, midway through the fourth quarter. All these things add up, of course. So the Magic had their opportunities, but as, as, as a lot of people, a lot of coaches say, process over results. I was happy with the looks that the Magic got late in that game, they just didn't make them. And so it came down to a random play. Nothing you can do. You worry about the things you can control. And one thing that I thought the Magic did poorly down the stretch was initiate their offense. Far too often, it felt like the Magic were getting into their offense far too late into the shot clock. Not enough time to actually run anything. And I think that's a big reason why they only scored 23 points in the fourth quarter and could not pull away and get this win and earn this win. Having said that, so much else of that second half was really good. The defense was as on point as it has been for this team in a very, very long time. Probably since the beginning of the season, honestly. Not even the Detroit game. The Magic swarmed. They they got to the three-point line, something they struggled with a lot in the first half. They cr- created turnovers. They created fast-breaking opportunities. They controlled the pace of the game, and really they controlled it Because of their defense, Cleveland was not able to get into the paint. They were relying too much on their three-point shot, and they were missing them at an alarming rate. And so that gets to why I think the Magic really lost this game. The Magic didn't lose to Cleveland because Cleveland is the better team, although, yes, they are the better team. The Magic lost this game because they no-showed the first half. I don't care about losing a game on a bad call. That happens. You can't control that. you got to just move on. You're frustrated, but that's not why you lost the game. The Magic lost the game because they gave up 67 points in the first half. The Magic lost the game because they only scored 47 and looked lifeless on the offensive end. The Magic lost this game because the Cavaliers made uh, 9 of 17 three-pointers in the first half. The Magic lost this game because they had to make an incredible run on the road to make it a game. If they played with the urgency and intensity that they had throughout the third and fourth quarters and the confidence, honestly, that they had throughout the third and the fourth quarters, they might have won this game running away just like they did back in October. Let's be real. If LeBron James wanted to... He could have taken over this game and and dominated, but he didn't. 16 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, missed all 4 of his 3-pointers, 2 for 8 from the foul line, and won 6 turnovers. 6 turnovers for LeBron James. I've never seen LeBron James play that poorly. I think even after the game he said, I was trash. Hard to argue with that, because he played very poorly. The Cavaliers never really got into their rhythm. Kevin Love, 3-for-10. Isaiah Thomas, 6-for-15, 3-for-10 from beyond the arc. And Orlando struggled to get over the hump in the first half. But they stuck with it through the second. Cleveland shot only 1-of-17 on three-pointers in the second half. Aaron Gordon hit a couple of threes to get the magic really going. His only two three-pointers of the game. Got, hit a couple in the third quarter. Really got the magic going. And from there, Orlando really pushed the tempo well. Alfred Payton was very good. The defense was great. Jonathan Simmons provided a nice spark. They got good play off the bench from DJ Augustin and Mario Azonia and Shelvin Mack and Kem Birch. Orlando had enough to win this game. Unfortunately, they did not have it long enough. And that's, again, something this team is still learning. And that's what we'll talk about after we run through the stats real fast.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's break down the numbers
1: on this game. Orlando is led in the scoring department by Alfred Payton, 19 points, 8 assists all in the second half, 4 rebounds, 9 for 17 shooting, 1 for 1 from beyond the arc. Payton, to me, Payton was one of the few players that was aggressive and assertive throughout the entire game. I thought that even in the first half, he was doing a really good job getting into the paint, creating havoc, trying to trying to make Cleveland's defense work, and getting to the basket and scoring easy buckets. He was one of the few guys that I thought did a really good job of that for both halves of this game. You know, I, I personally hate the, it was a tale of two halves cliche that you see sports writers turn to, but this really was a tale of two halves. It's amazing how often that that is actually a theme that happens, but Peyton was really strong attacking the basket and doing doing all the things that you need Alfred Peyton to do. Uh, the, again, the only thing that I had a real problem with with him, I thought the way he managed the team's pace at the end of the game was not good. Um, I thought the Magic were getting into their sets way too late. Orlando was not executing their offense in the half court particularly well. Um, as late in the game, it looked like it did early in the game, early in the game. Early in the game, it didn't look like the Magic were running anything. Let's uh, that's that's to be perfectly honest. Their sets were just not they just were not engaged with what they were running. And that, that is a major problem with this team sometimes. If you saw that basketball breakdown video from a few weeks ago, you know how bad this team can look. And and, and it just it just it it was just they weren't cutting hard, they weren't screening, it was just ugh. I, I wanted to gouge my eyes out at, at points in the first half. Um that's kind of how I felt in 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 the fourth quarter. Um, I was just like saying, "Come on, go, 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 go," and it's it's just a little too slow to my liking. Especially, I mean, I know Peyton wants to speed things up too, and so got to give time to to go through some options. There's just some ugly shot attempts because they ran out of time to to shoot the ball. Evan Fournier with 17 points, six for 15 shooting, four for five from the foul line, five rebounds for him. Okay game for Evan Fournier. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was anything spectacular. I wouldn't say it was anything bad either. He got his numbers. Not an efficient shooting night. There were uh, first half, I thought he was a lot better trying to get to the basket, trying to make things happen. Not always the best at doing that. Not always the guy you want doing that. The guy the Magic had to have doing that and, and you know, needed to make some three-pointers. Uh, but I thought played relatively under control. I thought he was okay defensively. Got lost a few times, especially in the first half when the Magic's defense was just abysmal. They were losing three-point shooters left and right, getting collapsed in the paint all night long. That changed in the second half, of course. Aaron Gordon ended up with 17 points, 11 rebounds, three steals for him, shot seven for 20 from the floor, two for 10 from beyond the arc. That means he was five for 10 uh, from, uh, from two-point range. Fell a little bit in love with his jumper. Um, when he, he made The two that he made were big. They built momentum. Um, he was able to get around the basket, able to score around the basket, um, except for one big play where he got his shot blocked by Kevin Love. Um, but, you know, when the Magic are running, Aaron Gordon is at his best. And, and, and the Magic need to get out and transition a lot more and get Aaron out and transition because that's where he can be really, really dangerous. A guy that I thought played really, really well um, for, for long stretches, Jonathan Simmons, 16 points, 5 for 10 shooting, 6 for 8 from the foul line, made some big plays. Um, the, the, I thought the turning point play of the game came in the third quarter. That's when I really was like, oh, the Magic are here to compete. There's a loose ball. Ball was knocked free. Isaiah Thomas and Jonathan Simmons are racing to it. Simmons beats him to that ball. It's a 50 50 ball that the ball, the kind of game things that you have to win to complete a comeback like this. Beats him to the ball, gets down the court, does a nice little hesitation move um, at the three point line, blows by someone for a one handed dunk, brought the match to within two points. And from there, it was a game. It was a game from that point forward. Um, I thought Jonathan Simmons was great attacking the basket, great at drawing fouls, great at getting in the foul line. Um, uh, this is the kind of—I mean, finally it felt like we saw a Jonathan Simmons game. He had a huge block where he blocked Isaiah Thomas on a breakaway layup. It's a one-point game, so that obviously mattered in the end. And those kind of energy plays on the defensive end are the kind of plays that we've been waiting to see from Jonathan Simmons. So he finally delivered on that promise in this game. Mario Zonia, 12 points, 5 for 11 shooting, missed all four of his three-pointers. Solid game for Mario um, you know he's getting more comfortable. I'd like to see the efficiency be a little bit better. I think he sometimes forces shots. His three-point shot, unfortunately, is just it's it's not everything it needs to be. I think he keeps enough teams honest. He he makes enough of them to, to keep the, to you know have them respect it. Um, but it you know he's still not a great three-point shooter percentage-wise, and and that's obviously a big thing for him as far as uh, finding his fit in this league. Other, only other notable, I would say, uh, Shelvin Mack, t- 10 points, 5-for-5 five five shooting, including that go-ahead bucket late. Um, Shelvin Mack, quietly, a very good game. Uh, I know some people were a little upset that he played over Wessa Wundu in the fourth quarter, but Mack earned it. Um, his defense was was okay, not great. Um, he was really good offensively uh, and and found the seams to, to really make an impact, and that's that's really all you can ask for him. On the Cleveland side, like I said, LeBron James, 16 16 points, 7 for 16 shooting, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 6 turnovers for him. Kevin Love, 12 points, 3 for 10 shooting, 11 rebounds. Isaiah Thomas with 21 points, 6 for 15 shooting, 3 for 10 from beyond the arc, just 4 assists for him as Cleveland has 22 assists in the game. Dwayne Wade, 11 points. Jeff Green, 10 points, 8 rebounds for the Cavaliers as they defeat the Orlando Magic 104-103 to at Quicken Loans Arena.
0: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: And if you remember earlier this week, uh, in the wake of the Magic's loss to the Washington Wizards, I I went on a little bit of a rant about moral victories. And about uh, what I hope I drew out of that was that moral victories are meaningless if you don't build upon the supposed moral victory, the supposed lesson you were supposed to learn. None of it matters because a loss is a loss is a loss is a loss. They all count the same. None of it matters if you don't actually learn something from it. And I think in the last week, so it's now three games, in the last week, we've seen that the moral victory that the Magic had in Washington was a deserved moral victory. Because the team has built upon it. Orlando has been lost in the woods. I I, I say this all the time. I I think the most frustrating thing to me as an observer of the Magic and as, as a Magic fan, the most frustrating thing to me is knowing that this team can play better. I have seen it. I know it exists. I've seen it for long stretches. This team can play better, and they just don't. Or they they just aren't able to reach into that reserve anymore. I thought Aaron Gordon had a very prescient quote um, after the game. He was asked about the team beginning to show some signs of life, that, 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 that they are turning things around. And he said, you know, we're all, we are who we are. We found ourselves a little bit. But it doesn't matter if we don't get wins. And and to a man, when you ask the Magic after Friday's game, after Tuesday's game, and after Thursday's game, when you ask the Magic about those kinds of questions, the answer was perhaps a little delusional, but always the same. We know we're better. If we can put together a couple wins, if we can get a win and then get another win and start building some momentum... We know what we're capable of, and we can make a run. Now, the playoffs would be a very tall order. If 43 is the number, let's, let's say for argument's sake that 43 is the number, that the Magic have to get 30 more wins. That means they would be going 30 in 8. I'm sorry, 30 in 7. This is not a 30 and 17. let's let's be real. And so yeah, the playoffs are realistically out of reach. But good on them for believing. <laughs> so the magic then are kind of playing for pride. They're playing to they're playing out of anger and frustration in some ways. We've seen that spill over in, in negative ways and in positive ways. Frank Vogel has gotten to saying lately that, you know, we're trying to build a winning culture here. We're trying to build something that we can grow from and, 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 and begin winning, whether it's next year or the year after, something that they can continue to grow and develop from. And it sounds kooky to say that after this season, after this season, where things have gone so far off the rails and things have play, been played out so poorly. It is hard to to say that. But there is value in it. There are lessons that need to be learned. And the only way to build a winning culture is to win. Is to play competitively, to play with spirit, to, to form an identity And that's been what's been missing for the Magic for the last five years. As we go through this constant cycle of starting a season, having hopes, having them dashed, and then preparing to tank. You know, I see it in the fan base. And and I think think what Philadelphia did is misunderstood by a lot of people. Philadelphia was a bad team because they didn't have talent. But Philadelphia built a culture. You look at what the Sixers are doing today, and yeah, it it helps to have the talent that they've had. But it started with the expectations that their coach put in them. The hunger that they had and and the style that they played. That team is not there by accident. That, That team has not matured the way they've matured by accident. It's been methodical, growing and germinating over the last few years. And if you actually watched Philadelphia play, which a lot of people didn't, you saw a team that just busted their butts, and that's why they were able to sneak out victories against some really good teams. You know, I I watched this Magic team, and I compared them to, to similar struggling teams, like the Lakers, or the Bulls, or even the Nets, or the Sixers of years past. And that's the part that's been missing is they don't have that set identity, that set idea of who they are. They don't have that that fire, that hunger. Maybe it's just will. Maybe it's fight. Maybe it's all those intangibles that I hate. But there's always something missing. And as the losses piled up, you could kind of see the spirit get crushed. And you could see this... You know, here we go again about them. And and, and, and as we saw it this year. The team was very much on guard, even in the fast start that they had, of the four falling out from under them. And when it did, there's nothing to fall back onto. There's no foundation built on how they play. So yeah, five years into this rebuild, new management group, a lot of these players on the Magic are not going to be here next year. Evan Fournier is already heavily involved in trade rumors. Nikola Vucevic is a favorite punching bag, probably going to be involved in trade rumors around the draft. The Magic are moving on from a lot of these players. But that doesn't mean there's still not something to gain from picking up wins. I've said this for the last five years, dating back to the Jacques Vaughn era. When you have the chance to win, the expectation needs to be to win. Too often we let tanking slide by and say, that's okay. You're learning. Winning expectations, winning habits are formed in every game, in every moment, in every practice. And that's why the rest of this season is still important. Because there will be habits formed or habits that need to be broken if the Magic are eventually going to take that next step. Just as important as getting a high draft pick is giving that high draft pick an environment to succeed in. And maybe that's what the Magic fail at most. They got the high draft picks. They got so many high draft picks. They had bad luck, but they had talent. Look at what Victor Oladipo and Tobias Harris and Maurice Harkless are doing. Kylo Quinn. look at what he's doing. They had the talent, but they didn't have the environment to let it grow, whether it was good veterans to show them the way, whether it was a good coach establishing a foundation, whether it was management setting real expectations and having the patience to wait them out, whether it was understanding team dynamics and team building successfully. They were all failures in the last five years. And you hear Jeff Weltman say, We're not going, he says a lot of things, but I think one thing that he says is, you know, we don't have a timeline. We just want to do it right. So how do you do it right? Yes, you look at exploring trade options and, and, and figuring out how to make the roster better or make the roster fit what you want. But it also starts with the foundation. The Magic are investing more in basketball operations than ever before. They are trying to change the foundations of their culture, of their team, of their franchise. uh, On the basketball side, at least. And so that's what we're seeing too. That's what we're seeing as well on the way the Magic are approaching these games. Look, if you're a player or coach and you're not trying to win the game in front of you, I don't want you on my team. I think as uh, Zach Levine wrote this in the Players' Tribune and he's 100% correct. As a player, you're going out there and trying to win as hard as you can. And it... I'm sure it hurts them to see fans delighting in losses. Yes, I understand that might be better for the long-term picture and that that is a incentive that the NBA has unfortunately built into their system. But these guys are these guys have to try and you want them to try. That's the first step. And If we're talking about very basic first steps, steps that obviously should have been done a long time ago, the last three games, the Magic have done that. They've shown a willingness to fight. They've shown a willingness to be competitive, to give themselves a chance to win the game. The Magic have had a chance to win the last three games. When was the last time we could say that they had a chance to win three games in a row, that they didn't get blown out or beaten up for three straight games? In moments, Thursday night, Orlando looked like the eight and four team again. Just like against Minnesota they did, just like against Washington they did. I am convinced that team is still in there. I don't expect that team to show up for thirty for the next thirty seven games and, you know, give the Magic a big playoff run. That's I don't think that's gonna happen. But that team is in there somewhere. That is part of who the Magic are too. And so if these last three games the Magic have found themselves and found that competitive spirit to give themselves a chance to win some of these games, maybe steal a few, play with energy, give hope for the franchise, yes, even increase trade value for some of these players. If the last three games have proven that, then there is a moral victory in that. But it's a moral victory that you've got to keep building upon, a foundation that you lay down And you keep building upon to establish a culture, to establish a winning mentality. That's where we're at with the Magic. This very basic thing that many of these players are probably not going to be a part of for the long term. But doing that now is important. Getting the reinforcement for that effort with winning is important. And that's the part that the Magic are still going to have to learn. Because as well as they played Tuesday night they looked like garbage the first half Thursday night. They did not carry over any of the momentum. And I'm sure Frank Vogel lit into them at halftime of Thursday's game. And they responded with one of their best halves of the season. Unfortunately they dug themselves too deep of a hole. And the next lesson is you gotta play with that intensity for 48 minutes. And the task is not any easier Sunday, as they take on the Boston Celtics. I want to thank everyone for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You, can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on Twi- on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD if you want to tell me that the Magic are that I'm stupid and the Magic should continue tanking which they're going to anyway because they're a bad team. They'll lose plenty of games. Do not worry about it. Let me have my wins. Let me have like one three-game win streak. That's all I ask for, and then we can figure out the rest later. Uh, you can, of course, find me find me again on Twitter at philiprr-omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com as well as follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. There will be no Facebook Live this Sunday. No Facebook Live this Sunday. Uh, The Magic will play at one o'clock Sunday against the Boston Celtics. I don't want to run into that too much, so there will be no Facebook Live on Sunday. I'll come back with you with a regular episode of Locked On Magic Monday, recapping Sunday's game against the Boston Celtics. The Facebook Live will return the following week at noon Eastern Time. We'll I'll I'll set that. I'll remind everyone about that uh, later or later on in the week. But for now, I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rostenreich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.
0: You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.